All right, here we go. Are you ready to rock and roll, Doc? Well, I gotta tell you, we're we're all wired in here, huh? All right, we're hardwired in now. <laughs> Sometimes this it takes. Become, this is becoming a little bit of a thing. Yeah. So I think uh, you have to use the link within a certain amount of time where it expires. But, uh, hey, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Doc, and we're ready to talk the Steve Bannon trial, which is set to open tomorrow, or that would be Tuesday, July 19th, depending on when you're listening to this. And what did Steve Bannon do exactly to piss off the government, Doc? Well, if you're if you're Steve Bannon or uh, you know a Trumps, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot with this committee that was formed last year with the help of two Republicans uh, to investigate the uh, riots at the Capitol on January sixth. So it really doesn't take a, a whole lot. Um, I the the short answer, as best as I understand it is this committee and I, I say when I say the word committee I'm putting air quotes over it because it is not a committee um, set up in the traditional way that a committee of Congress in the House is normally set up typically you have a designated number of uh, of the majority party a designated number of the minority party, uh, you have the ability to have uh, opposing counsel. Uh, you have the ability to cross-examine witnesses, to uh, challenge public testimony from any, uh, you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me, any testimony that may have been taken privately that becomes public. None of this is is the case here and what people need to understand is all of these members were handpicked by Nancy Pelosi. She rejected, (coughs) excuse me, about a half a dozen uh, Republicans, Jim Jordan, others to sit on this committee and put Lynn Cheney uh, and Adam Kinzinger, who, (laughs) you know, if you follow in the news at all, these are not necessarily a representative of, the Republican caucus writ large uh, currently in the House. So what did he do? Um, this uh, committee asked him, subpoenaed him, told him, you have to come in and testify before us. And um, I heard a news report that said that Bannon ignored the committee's request, ignored the committee. There's a lot of spin going on here because Steve Bannon is a lightning rod and the media and their inability to report anything fairly and down the middle uh, on topics like this related to Trump or anything else. It's not that he ignored the committee. He inserted privilege at the outset and said, hey, I'm, you know, the President Trump has inserted executive privilege and therefore I'm not you know, able to testify. Uh, and this is, these are all things that aren't out of the ordinary. They've been done before in the past. 
as this progressed uh, and the committee uh, sanctioned Bannon and then the full house voted to sanction him. And then it was referred to the justice department. And of course, you know, they are prosecuting this now, which is again, highly irregular that it even gets to a point like this. Uh, apparently president Trump uh, waived his executive privilege and Bannon said, okay, um, I'm no longer bound by that as I see it. Um, uh, notwithstanding my objections to the fact that this isn't a real committee to begin with, uh, I'll testify and let's do it publicly and let's do it live and let's let the American people, you know, see this. By that point, it was too late for uh, any real consideration for, um, you know, that to happen because it had gone so far down the legal route. So that in a sense is what we're, what we're dealing with here. Now it gets a little bit more complicated as it goes along, but we can talk about that, but that's what he's facing at this point. Yeah. It says here he's charged with contempt of Congress. Uh, And this is just, this isn't a real testify. And he said, no. And he has a whole host of reasons for saying no. Uh, I, my understanding, I was covered under executive privilege. I don't believe this is a real committee. Other people haven't testified yet. They haven't been charged. I mean, there's a number of reasons. And you're not going to get the full story from, you got you to search. You got to go to sites to give you the full story as to what his defense is. Um, I would recommend people listen to on YouTube um, Good Logic, uh, Viva Fry uh, on YouTube or two places. They're covering this trial. <coughs> Probably Rumble may be your best place to pick these guys up. YouTube may shut them down at some point. Um, but they are giving uh, a you know complete and total analysis of what's going on. And these are lawyers and I'm not a lawyer. I can just give you as I understand it. Right. It, it just, it seems like they're the, the whole committee was put together to attack more Trump supporters. Uh, you know, they already did this. Um, They've been doing this. They did this during the impeachments where, you know, or not in the impeachments, the uh, Mueller investigation where they tried to catch people uh, supposedly lying. They tried to put people in contempt. They put people in jail for contempt of Congress or uh, lying to Congress and, and things like that. And it's just so out of control and such bitter hatred by the left for anybody associated with Donald Trump. And this, this trial, it's, it's a shit show. Well, it really is. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. The, um, the hearings have been really poorly done. There is no cross-examination of any of these witnesses and their testimony to challenge anything that's being said. Um, And the committee Democrats are, you know, taking 
snippets of testimony here and there and putting them together in a package to present to the American people as 100% truth and factual and vetted. Um, and this just isn't the case. Um, and, and I want everybody to understand, I'm not making a defense of any one particular person right now in my analysis of this. This is the way the adversarial system works in this country. Uh, this is how, you know, you get to the get to the truth, get to the facts, you present evidence, you have witnesses, they give their testimony, you challenge their testimony, questioning them, and then they rebut. And that's not happening here. And so frankly, in my view, anyone who cites this uh, uh, proceeding, because it's not a committee hearing. Um, you're, you're citing bogus, uh, information as far as I'm concerned, some of which could be true, but how do we know? I mean, this young woman who testified a couple of weeks ago made some claims that somehow Donald Trump, uh, assaulted a secret service agent and tried to commandeer whatever vehicle he was in the beast or an SUV or whatever, <laughs> uh, when it was physically impossible for him to do that. And the secret service even came out and said, you know, this did not happen. Ironically enough, I think the head of the secret service just was reassigned or retired. Um, <laughs> you can look that up. It's kind of, kind of convenient timing, but this was presented to the American people and the media never followed up on it. Of course. But one yeah. thing, if I could just throw this out, yeah, to keep in mind, this is not a judicial proceeding. The okay, Steve this Bannon is trial? Yeah, well, the Steve Bannon trial is okay. okay. That is a judicial proceeding, but the January sixth committee hearing is not a judicial proceeding. That is that is a function of Congress, and there are some, you know. Smart people out there, Robert Barnes, for example, last Sunday talked about this on his weekly podcast on YouTube with uh, Viva Fry. Uh, it's at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can always go back and look at the archives if you can't listen to it live. Bringing up points about challenging the broad authority that Congress has interpreted itself to have in citing contempt of Congress. And the, the point there is generally in their Supreme Court case uh, precedent on all of this, the committee investigations cannot be fishing expeditions. They, they have to have some kind of legislative purpose to this. And that may be one defense that Bannon would like to use, that he feels, I don't need to testify in front of this saying it's not a legitimate committee, yada, yada, yada. And what's its legislative purpose? And unfortunately for Steve Bannon, the way that his case is going, he's really screwed <clears throat> as far as I can tell. Because the judge in the case, District Court Judge uh, Carl Nichols, who ironically is a Trump appointee, um you know, has rejected just about every claim that Bannon's attorneys have made credible claims about being able to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C., which is not going to be able to, um, you know, and the judge has basically said you cannot bring up <coughs> 
several key elements that you've cited as reasons for your defense in this trial. Uh, meaning he can't bring up whether or not he thinks this is a legitimate committee as a defense that he thought that he had executive privilege. He just can't bring anything up. Basically what the trial is going to come down to is, was there a subpoena issued? Yes. You're guilty. <clears throat> I mean, I think that's what's basically going to happen here. Yeah, this is, you talk about the, the way that the Democrats are acting with you know, holding people in contempt of Congress. Uh, this book by Newt Gingrich that someone was nice enough to give me. A real uh, smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he talks about that how the House has uh, never been at this level of vicious partisanship that currently exists. Younger staff members say they're regular, regularly treated as enemies of the state by Democratic members. And this is the dictatorial, paranoid, ruthless control system Pelosi has imposed. Uh, it's like, my God, she thinks she's the, the queen of England in the you know 15th century or, I don't know. You know, like she's just the, the all ruling power. You know, uh, nobody can touch her nobody can oppose her she put together this committee with a, a weighted uh number of democrats uh and she rigged two, it. yeah yeah and only two republicans and they're both very much anti-trump which you know pelosi loves that uh and i'm looking at this article from politico Says Bannon ha uh, has repeatedly. These are Republicans, by the way, in name only, literally. I mean, they have yeah. been censored by their state party. They've been barred from running as you know, you know, as endorsed Republicans or even getting endorsements. They've been kicked out of their state parties. They have been disavowed by every single certified, uh, chartered Republican club and statewide organization from where they come from, except. Uh, they have not been kicked out of the House Republican Conference in Washington. So that'll tell you all you need to know. Yeah, this uh, Cheney is off her rocker. She's going to lose by 22% in her if not primary. <laughs> yeah, maybe more. And Democrats are dumping money into her race. <laughs> and that's what the funny thing. Yeah. Uh, in the Bannon trial, he's, he has repeatedly invaded uh, against the criminal case, vowing to make the, it the misdemeanor from hell for the White House and the Justice Department. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and stop right there, because that's the point here. We're not talking about a federal felony here, right? You know, we're talking about, at the worst level, you know, obstruction of official congressional business for a legislative purpose, which carries with it a year imprisonment, and it's a misdemeanor. And this doesn't even reach any level of anything that's been done remotely close in the past. And I think it's almost never been done before. I mean, the Obama administration had Lois Lerner found in contempt of Congress. The Justice Department, of course, didn't prosecute. Eric Holder was found in contempt of Congress. The Justice Department didn't prosecute. Um, 
even this was it Roger Sussman, the Clinton attorney here within the last couple of months was actually found to have, you know, or he was accused by the FBI special, so-called special prosecutor, Roger Durham, to have lied and obstructed justice, went on trial. And basically the jury said, hey, we've got bigger fish to fry than worrying about what, you know, Russia collusion hoax when this guy clearly lied to the FBI. So there's so many things out there that rise to such a level. And even if this did, even if this was warranted, we're talking about a misdemeanor here, um, a year in jail, but I, 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 he he won't even get that. I mean, if he, I predict he's going to be found guilty because you can't get a fair trial in Washington, DC. I mean, they just sentenced a, 60 year old grandmother who has cancer yeah to two months in jail for trespassing for trespassing uh and and this comes from the same jury pool that they're going to be picking from for steve bannon it's the same jury pool who have who have found almost everybody guilty there's only been one instance that i'm aware of uh and it got washed under the table where someone wasn't found guilty from this jury pool or actually no i'm sorry that was the michigan case that's a whole nother issue oh Um, yeah there were more fbi agents conspiring than there were conspirators conspirators right yeah um and this is kind of looking like that if you dig really deep into it which gets me to the larger point i mean number one ban is not going to get a free trial in the district of columbia no one will that's associated with not from a jury and not from a judge and it's just how it is it's a it's a um, an indictment of the judicial system uh, at, at all levels in the district. It's it's corrupt. Um, but uh, number one, you mentioned it earlier. Um, the kind of institution that Pelosi has organized in the House, and it is very vindictive and dictatorial. <clears throat> and there's no there's no dissent it's her way or the highway she is a ruthless individual who wields power very effectively uh, oh god Just, <clears throat> yeah i can't believe that our united states congress has has come to this kind of a person but finish and, and this and, the, and this january 6th committee is a perfect example the way that she has it construed it, it, it is the textbook example of uh, you know, authoritarian show trial. And um, I think we can all admit that there were some activity that occurred in and around the Capitol on January 6th, criminal activity that we need to get to the bottom of. Um, we need to figure out and prosecute the folks who were really there doing damage because there were there were people there doing some damage and i don't want to get into the whole you know theory behind the case on january 6 but let's just say there's a whole lot here to investigate and you should have republicans and democrats and counsel and and, and a legitimate investigation looking into more than just 
what this committee is looking into, but actually looking into who some of these participants were that are on camera leading and organizing yeah. activity before leading up to this uh, riot and days before leading up to this who have mysteriously gone uh, uncharged or can't be found. Or in one case, the New York Times ends up writing a, a fluff piece on one of the individuals uh, who clearly did more than anyone else uh, that has been documented uh, to cause a, a breach of security line and encouraging people to get into the Capitol. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I this person funny. goes on, this person, you know, goes unnoticed. Yeah. He was uh, somewhat of a, somehow involved with the FBI at some lo low, low level. I know who you're talking about. And, uh, and I would want to know, I would want to know what did Nancy Pelosi know? And when did she know it? What did Mitch McConnell know? Because four years ago in 2017, when Trump was inaugurated president, there was a huge perimeter set up around the Capitol and the White House and the parade route. It's one of the reasons why there weren't a lot of people on the mall, because there were so many um, peripheral protests going on and so much violence going on and legitimate rioting going on that people couldn't get to the inauguration site they were literally being um blockaded by rioters people doing property damage physical assaults but there was a perimeter set up because mm -hmm. it was anticipated <clears throat> that there would be a counter protest which people are entitled to do but it was anticipated there was actually some bad hombres coming into town, much like January 6th, where we knew that this was going to there was going to be a huge rally there that day that Trump was organizing to rally his supporters to this, you know, cause of turning some of these votes back over to the states for a couple of weeks to take a look at again. And they were making their constitutional case and get it in the record and come what may. Again, all things we can discuss the merits of. But there was no perimeter set up, not only around this area like that inauguration, but even around the Capitol itself. There was a thin police force. Uh, Trump had asked for 10,000 troops, and it was denied by the mayor of Washington and who knows what else. And then all of a sudden, what happens, happens. You know, you have some folks that are acting in a way and in, in, in a loosely knit coordinated way that may or may not have some influence from federal involvement. I'm not saying the FBI caused the riot, but there were people working clearly in some kind of coordinated effort to get people to get into that capital, get a presence of where it looked like you could just walk in. And, it was, and in fact, there were police waving people in uh, at a certain point. Yeah, come on in. OC admitted to this a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago that she yeah. was frustrated that. You mean, you mean the big booty Latina? <laughs> right, Alex Stein. Right. Alex Stein uh, got a hold of, uh, confronted her on the Capitol steps. It was uh, quite the post on social media.
Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyhow, the point is, there's, there's so much about this day that I would like to have a legitimate hearing on where the American people could hear both sides and see their elected representatives engage in an adversarial system to try to get to the truth. Because what we've seen for the last year isn't it. I mean, they're, 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 you just can't count uh, any of their testimony because they've gone through a bad process and a lot of it has been doctored and a lot of it's just lies. So you, can't, you have to discount it all. False in part, false in, in whole. There's a Latin phrase that I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but that's the gist of it. And that's unfortunate because you saw it. I saw it. What happened that day, we, we never want to see anything like that happen. No, Whether it's legitimate true. Trump supporters going off the deep end or some other sort of uh, web of influencers with mischievous purposes manipulating a situation, to concoct a situation, whatever it is, we don't need to see that again. The, the whole thing is, yeah, there's so much about that day that needs to be looked at. Now, I've been told and they, I read that, you know, first Pelosi turned down National Guard and the, the police chief turned down the National Guard. But according, go way back uh, a year or two ago, whenever this was, yeah, whatever, year and a half, uh, when AOC did her first live stream on Instagram and she was talking about the police officer banging on her door, which for 45 minutes she went on and on about some deranged man banging on her office door and running through her office screaming, where is she? Where is she? And you made it didn't happen. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. The Capitol had not even been breached at the point the policeman came to rescue her because of a bomb threat. But uh, and she wasn't even in the Capitol. Right. And, you know, she said in that Instagram story uh, that in the days leading up to January 6th, that they saw people around the Capitol that looked shady going in and out of bodegas. It was like a shady bodega and whatever the freaking hell a bodega is. Bogota. Uh, That's how Dr. Jill Biden <laughs> says it. Bogotas. And, and Spanish people are as, are as unique as tacos. Breakfast um, tacos, right. So anyways, but AOC said that the Democrat caucus was passing text messages back and forth that, that something bad's going to happen, something bad is brewing. Well, why, if that was going on, why did Nancy Pelosi turn down the National Guard? Because she, right. at the very least, wanted something bad to happen to make Trump and his supporters look bad. Now, I don't think she planned it. I don't think that the FBI planned this or you know, some uh, deep state plan was made to set Trumpers up, but I think that they knew something bad was going to happen and they wanted to let it happen just bad enough that they could finagle away to say, well, Trump 
caused this, and now you know we he can't run for president anymore. And that's what well, there's there, yes, yeah, there clearly is that going on. They do not want him to be able to run again. The second impeachment was about that. When that failed, this became that, uh, along with all of his other investigations that are being launched by the New York prosecuting attorney for the state or for the city or whatever. Um, a, a competing theory to what you talked about is that Pelosi and others were more concerned about what a heightened police presence would look like on the, in and around the Capitol uh, for Joe Biden and the process that was underway, that they were very much concerned about, you know, what certifying a contested election would look like with armed guards surrounding the Capitol. Now, that theory gets kind of thin because for about three months or four months after this, the whole thing was on lockdown yeah. uh, during the inauguration and, and other things. But this all gets back to what did Bannon know? And, you know, this that's what's amazing about this is they're trying to get at, you know, this, this belief, this narrative that they have that this was planned by Trump and his supporters, or at least Trump knew about it. And his supporters were carrying out what they thought he would in terms of organizing this mob to storm the Capitol, um, all of which has been, you know, questioned by a lot of official sources over the last couple of years that this wasn't an organized thing, that it was people. And, and look, there were people, there's no doubt about it. And it doesn't mean they were Trump supporters. Uh, there are just people who see events like this happen and come into town to raise hell. Um, that doesn't mean they're Antifa. That doesn't mean they're anybody. It just means they're troublemakers. We don't know. And that's what I would like to see a legitimate investigation get at. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really what we've got to get to is we don't want to see this happen to our capital and our country. And we don't want to be like these these third world countries where you know people fight it out in the streets and there's no democratic process. We want the process to take place and the peaceful transition of power and all those things. And these Democrats are more worried about running a dictatorship Congress than they are at getting to the bottom of what happened January 6th and preventing it from happening again. I would love to see or never see this happen again. But our, our government is not doing anything to get to the bottom of it and prevent it. Uh, yeah, there needs to be all the chips on the table. Um, there should be no sacred cows. There should be nothing off limits. Uh, if this is as bad as what people are claiming that it was, making the case that it was, then we shouldn't have to rig the composition of a committee in order to come to the conclusion of the facts. And, yeah. and to me, that's the most powerful argument. But unfortunately for Steve Bannon, he's not going to be able to make that argument in his court case. And that's no. what I want everyone to focus on is this guy's walking in to uh, a fight, a gunfight with, you know, uh, sticks and rocks. 
I mean, the deck is stacked up against them. And I think a jury will probably deliberate for, you know, a half hour and come back with a unanimous guilty verdict. And, of course, that'll be the headline. And that'll be wall to wall. I mean, we've got these other things going on with corruption surrounding Biden and his kids and some pretty grotesque <laughs> allegations against them, uh, not to mention the results of his policies as his administration. And they just get barely a blip. Oh, it, um, yeah. As soon as they get Bannon on a guilty wrap, uh, this will be wall to wall breaking news for however long they need to do it to distract people from what's uh, going on in the country right now. <clears throat> and that speaks to the corrupt nature of the media at this point, which, you know, you just can't trust. I mean, I, I'm happy to go on Politico and read this article. I'm happy to have a subscription to the New York times. You know, I, I read a lot of these sources myself, but it's, it's at this point, it's only for context. You know, right. what is, what is the other side saying? I mean, you just have to take it with a grain of salt, and that's pretty unfortunate. Yeah, and there desperately needs to be investigations into uh, the Biden crime family. No, no other way to put it. Uh, I mean, the evidence is there. I'm a little leery of this latest laptop leak, or whatever it is. Seems uh, like it's a hack. Yeah, a hack. And it, but the thing that makes me nervous is uh, it's telling us everything we want to hear. So is it legit or is this hack uh, a, a smokescreen to say, well, look, the, this hack that just took place was all a bunch of lies. And then they're going to go back and say, well, then maybe the laptop from hell was a lie, too, even though it's been accepted as fact from for the last few months. Or the source of the hack or what they will or what some people trying to set a narrative will say is the source of the hack. I mean, what's to say that this thing hasn't been set up to make it look like it was a Russian hack? And right. So anyone peddling any of this, you know, whether or not it's true or not, it'll be presented as true um, and verified as true by the fact checkers. Uh, yeah. Now you're peddling in Russian. Dis I will say this, though. I mean, I guess two things. One, if what I'm seeing that was in this laptop and I'm not talking about the cocaine and the hookers and some of the things that they use to refer to Biden and some of the allegations against them that are creepy, but the business dealings, I mean, it appears if this information is, is correct um, that Biden lied to the American people in 2020, when he told Chris Wallace that he didn't know anything about his kids' business dealings. And it's, we all knew that was a little bit shaky. Um, and conveniently enough, the second debate was canceled. That would have focused on foreign policy. Because um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Trump comes down with COVID, right? Um, at, at, at just the right time. And, of course, Biden doesn't want to reschedule. Um, yeah, right. But, yeah. But the second part of this is, you know, I do have, uh, you know, a reservation just as a 
you know, person that values privacy. It, this guy, if this guy was hacked, you know, that's not good, right? Yeah, I mean, this say what you want about the guy, but this iCloud thing is the <laughs> most, like the most hacked. Uh, uh, what the hell you even call an iCloud? But it's the most hacked thing in history, from the sounds of it. Everybody's well, getting got, an it, iCloud, iCloud it, hack. And, and it doesn't sound like this guy really cared a lot about security because he left his laptop for an extended period of time, or like a year or something, at some guy's uh, computer shop in Delaware. And then you yeah. got, I mean, it's almost like these kids are, are leaving breadcrumbs. You got the daughter that was leaving the diary in a hotel room that talked about some really disgusting things that she claims, you know, some people were involved with, with her and taking a shower and things like that. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, just really disgusting and horrific things to contemplate that anyone would do with their kid. Um or anyone do with anyone in a situation like that at, the, at that age. Um, yeah, she's leaving this stuff in hotel rooms. Hunter's leaving his laptop in all sorts of places. He's sending text messages. He's, got, he's, he's on the most hacked platform known to man, as you say. I mean, it's like these kids are all but putting this information out on their front porch for people to take. Yeah, I think after we uh... – look through this Newt Gingrich book. The next one, we, we should start a book club or something. Um, Miranda Devine has this book out, uh, Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and the Dirty Secrets the President Tried to Hide. Yeah, so I have that book. So oh, yeah, you have, have it? That. I'm going to get that book and... Uh, yeah, we're going to look at that after we look through the Newt Gingrich book. Uh, well, let's tease but, it for the listeners. We'll do a uh, we'll do an old fashioned book club uh, after we get you know a little bit through this book, and and we'll just do it the old fashioned way where we just start reading from the top, you know, like you would do in an old fashioned book club. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You read it yourself, and then you go back as a group and. We just sit and we just read passages and talk about what it has to say. Yeah, I've um, definitely got some uh, things in Newt's book underlined and some notes in the margin, <laughs> as I like to do with books like that. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a lot going on with this president and a lot of things, even going to, uh, you know, the failures of the government with the COVID response. Why isn't our Congress looking into how our medical system failed in that respect? You know, there's something they should be looking at and coming up with a plan to not let it happen again. Yeah. Because we know that lockdowns didn't work. Mm -hmm. We know the only mask that is 95% effective is an N95 respirator mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, the surgical masks that we all wore, or some of us wore, are about 65% effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cloth masks that your aunt who likes to sew made you ain't worth a dime. <laughs> you know, they don't do anything. And, they really you know, don't. But we got to 
be on the lookout for the next pandemic. But we're not. We're pissing in Donald Trump's pissing on Donald Trump's leg and telling him it's raining because God forbid we have a boom economy and world peace. I mean, what the freak? Right. And and look, the, at the end of the day is, you know, we're we're in a situation here where we're heading in, you know, we got to take care of 2022. Uh, we got to, you know, hope that we get people in Washington that can help straighten this out. What's going on? Yeah, I but, would like I would love to see us get a veto proof majority. Uh, I don't think that'll happen. No, I don't either. I, I mean, <clears throat> we should be able to pick up if the Republicans had their stuff together, and I'm not convinced that they do. Um, we should be be able to pick up 60 or 70 seats in the House and seven, eight seats in the Senate. Um, more than likely what's going to happen is, you know, does, does the House Republicans get to that magic 247 figure, that, that number that they haven't been able to cross in 100 years in terms of membership in the House? And are, can, can they pick up up to four seats in the Senate? Uh, the way that it's looking right now, this Herschel Walker in Georgia seems like he's not doing as well as what they thought. Um, yeah, that's a little disappointing. I, I saw that right before. This Oz guy in Pennsylvania doesn't look like he's going to be able to get across the finish line against a dude that is just a nut. Um, so that would be, you know, that would mean the Republicans lost one of their better pickup opportunities and then ended up losing a seat. So they would need to pick up, you know, two somewhere else. Um, but anyhow... Um, I, I do. I did want to say that as we were talking about books, and <laughs> you were bringing up masks and things that um, Alex uh, Berenson, throughout the last couple of years, put out four like pamphlet-style uh, publications called "Unreported Truths About COVID-19 and Lockdowns." So you go, you can find those out there on the web. And then he put it all together in a book called Pandemia, how Cor Pandemia, Pandemia, how coronavirus hysteria took over our government rights and lives. I think this book was out uh, 2021. So it's a nice uh, comprehensive cataloging of some really good work that this guy has done over the last two years sticking his neck out on the line for a lot of things. So I just thought, you know, as we're talking about things to read, arm yourself with, you know, facts and suggestion for you there for everybody. Yeah. And what were those, uh, those YouTube uh, attorney <coughs> uh, channels that you were saying to follow the Steve Bannon trial on? Yeah. Um, uh, one is, I think, Good Logic, L-A-W-G-I-C. Uh, Robert Grovera and Viva Fry, I-V-A-F-R-E-I. 
<clears throat> who has a channel on YouTube. And all these people, I think, have channels on Rumbles, and I think they all have uh, pages on the locals community. And again, you know, I'm not saying you have to brainwash yourself with this stuff, and but it's just, you know, for me, I like to hear what other people are saying. Well, um, yeah, and, you know, like during the Rittenhouse trial, uh, I think it might have been that Good Logic channel you're talking about. They they popped out of their seats when. Uh, I forget what the hell happened, but they said, oh, mistrial, mistrial right there. You know, I mean, they're on top of it. They're good lawyers that know their stuff. Um, you know, I don't know if it they're was rational. Right. Yeah, they're rational and they can break it down for you so you can understand that. And we've got to arm ourselves with knowledge in this time, uh, like kind of the theme of this Newt Gingrich book we've been reading is, uh, you know, you win the argument, then you win the vote. Uh, something that Margaret Thatcher said, but it's something that I think we as Americans need to understand. You know, win the argument, right. then win the vote. So, but well, we that's talking, right. Uh, we were talking about the uh, pandemic and the uh the the face of the pandemic, the face of science, is going to retire soon. He uh, said at the end of President Biden's term, that's assuming Biden doesn't get a second term. Uh, I mean, this is the guy that makes more money than the president. <laughs> it's well, it's interesting phraseology, don't you think? I mean, normally somebody would say, you know, I'm going to retire and give a date. Right. Uh, I mean, what's the end of Biden's term? I mean, well, what if Biden has to resign for uh, cognitive reasons? I've heard a rumor about that. Um, well, he could, uh, yeah, he could resign early. It could go till 2025. It could go till 2029. But, but right. the key thing he said, by the end of Biden's term. So it's not even at the end of his term. It's it's. Basically, I think what he's saying is, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm out of here if the Republicans take control of Congress. Yeah, because he knows he's going to be the next one in a legitimate congressional hearing done the right way. <laughs> Rand Paul's already gone on record. It's, it, and it should be no coincidence that a couple of days after Rand Paul basically said, we're going to ring this guy up, Fauci, uh, in, in congressional hearings, um, and, and give them, put them through the treatment, um, or, or uh, you know, a struggle session <laughs> of his own. That he comes out and says, "Yeah, by the <clears throat> by the end of Biden's term, uh, I'm going to be out of here." And so that means January of 2023, if you ask me. Yeah, at the latest. Uh, but isn't it something though with this guy Fauci? Um, this guy hasn't been seen uh, much of the of the second half of this year. Uh, you know, half of this year, I should say. We're kind of in the second half now. Uh, apparently, he's had COVID a couple of times. You know, we hope that he gets better. <clears throat> you know, did, did he did he have some adverse effects from all these boosters that he's been getting? Uh, <laughs> that's what took him out for a while. I mean. I don't know. It just seems like he's been shelved. 
the, uh, this is uh, 50 years in the federal system, 81 years old. And, yeah. you know, the guys. I mean, that means at 31 years old, Big John. This yeah, guy 31. Got a job. This guy got a, jo- a doctor, right? Got a job in the public sector. And he's been there ever since. I mean, how old are you? You know, if you let's just plan this out. I mean, four years of undergrad takes you to 22. Four years of med school takes you to 26. <clears throat> and then you've got four or five years of residency or whatever specialized training you go into. I mean, literally, this guy got done with his schooling to be a full-fledged physician, doctor, and he goes straight into the, the public sector. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, he was uh, a leading figure in the AIDS epidemic. Uh, there's a lot of controversy there for people if they're, if they're interested, yeah. uh, especially from our brothers and sisters, mostly brothers in the gay uh, who felt as if he was suppressing um, treatment. And there's articles written in the Village Voice from New York City back in the 80s that alleged that he was causing hysteria uh, through some of his statements about the, the, the widespread of, of AIDS and how it's transmitted and claiming that he wasn't allowing folks to take, you know, experimental drugs uh, that were proven to have some worth. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot against him at that time. Yeah. And, you know, we, they never did come up with the AIDS vaccine, which I guess was his vaccines are his thing, his, his love of life. Uh, but they have come up with therapeutics and now you you very rarely see and hear people dying of AIDS. Now I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but uh, I think well, Magic with, Johnson took care of that. Yeah, that whatever problem. whatever the hell he did. Yeah, whatever um, they gave him calmed everybody down when he recovered. So let that sink in. There's but, no conspiracy theories, but there's also no coincidences. Right. So. But uh, for Fauci to be around this length of time, he, you're right. He had to have gone straight from med school into a, a pretty high-level government job. I don't know if he's been – has he been the president of the – or the whatever it is, chairman of the uh, Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases that whole time? Yeah, and he's been in that position – for, yeah, since, I don't know if it's been the whole 50 years, but a really damn yeah. long time. Yeah, it says here since 1984. So, yeah. Okay, I just read down in the article. So yeah, he's been, and, yeah. and here's the thing. He's not even head of the CDC, you know, or, or whatever National Institutes of Health. He, he's been in this division, this influential division, this whole time. And that has always, in my experience, dealing with bureaucrats and career people always raised a red flag for me. Whenever you found somebody 
that park themselves not at the pinnacle of power, you know, the pinnacle of the director, you know, the ultimate authority for the whole entire operation, but people that perch themselves as head of a department or an agency within a larger thing and just kind of blend in forever. That, that always raised red flags with me about what's the true motivation of this individual? What's really going on here? Because it oftentimes is a sign that there is, uh, you know, a power play here uh, above and beyond serving the people. Well, serving their own agenda, frankly. When these uh, drug companies come through, these pharmaceuticals uh, come through these agencies to uh, have, you know, get grants for experiments and different things, they put the doctors of the uh, NIH and the National Institute of Infectious Diseases on the patent as a contributor to the research. So Dr. Fauci and some of these other doctors in that agency are getting a cut of the money when this uh, when these drugs get developed. So, yeah, he's getting money on top of his federal salary from the drug companies through these patents. And his name is on a lot of patents for a lot of medicines, from what I hear. Yeah, I don't know what the details of that are, but I know that Rand Paul tried asking him some of these questions and he got pretty defensive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got uh, millions of dollars from, uh, you know, side hustles. I forget what. Well, you know, there was an instance, what was that one? The colorful scarves, uh, Deborah Burke. Yeah, Um, Debbie Burke. She wrote a book and there was a tweet and I saved it, but I don't, you know, I bookmarked it. Um, I don't know where it is, but somebody took a passage from her book that showed that Deborah Burke, some of her people, probably Fauci. Anyhow, this COVID task force were ignoring the official, you know, the Dr. Scott Atlases of the world, the folks who were heading up the White House uh, arm of this. You know, there was this task force, but then there was the White House folks who were, you know, setting the policy from the president to the task force to implement. And, you know, there was a situation where there was some recommendation to ease lockdowns or whatever. And Deborah Burke and her book basically admitted, you know, we were in the height of the campaign and we just chose to ignore what we were told by the white house and hope that nobody would notice. And they didn't. I mean, (laughs) that's the danger of an out of control bureaucracy. You say what you want, about what the policy is if you don't like it you know it's pretty straightforward uh but these people value their position more than they do the ethical nature of how to of how how it works yeah i read a passage from her book last night where uh dr burke said that she would submit her uh 
statements that were to go out to the or recommendations that were to go out to the states and they would come back uh, edited and then she would just rearrange the bullet points so that the ones that were at the top that got edited out were now at the bottom. So maybe uh, Dr. Atlas and the other people on that task force wouldn't see them or she would rearrange paragraphs so that they were at a different place in the recommendations and things that went up on the yeah. CDC website. That's they so said, bogus. No, don't put this, don't put that. And her and another doctor made a unilateral decision to put that on the CDC website after they were told not to. Yeah, so, I mean, that's so bogus. That's bogus. I mean, that's not how it's supposed to work. No, I mean, you're supposed to be working together on this. I mean, there's there's an authority. And when you're overruled by the president or his people and you're in this position, you take it or you quit. And there was a question about the testing uh, she talked about. Like, they only wanted to test symptomatic people at, at first because they had a limited number of test kits or maybe or something. And she said, well, you know, that that overlooked asymptomatic spread. So maybe, which we know is which we know now and we sort of suspected then was a very controversial concept. Right. I mean, but they just wanted to test everybody. And it's like. Shouldn't there be some priority lists here, like the elderly, you know, the people that are experiencing symptoms? I mean, yeah. Well, when we had this whole thing under Obama, when whatever it was, pig flu, pig virus, H1N1, whatever it was, I mean, it got so bad that Obama said, stop testing. And, and Biden right. was ahead the head of the White House response team to this. And I remember this is 2009 or 10 or whatever. Uh, it was a big deal. I mean, they were, people were freaking out. They were trying to pass out these shots in parking lots and wherever, you know, get vaccinated. Um, I think it was like a, a hyped up flu shot or something mm -hmm. that they issued, but it got so bad that even Obama was like, look, we're, you know, no more testing. Uh, this we don't need to know that we just assume everybody's got it, and it's interesting, you know, the psychology behind that because then it turns into, you know, you lose that shock impact that we saw every day for week after week after week of these case numbers going up. <clears throat> I think that's what he wanted to avoid, and isn't well, probably rightfully, rightfully so for from his perspective. Well, yeah, that was, you know, genius because, uh, you know, the thing that one of the things that doomed Trump was CNN had or all the major networks had the, the rolling death count and the yeah. rolling infection count. It's really and, sick when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, especially I mean, it's okay to report the number, but have it live feed it's a little much. Right. Like a minute by minute update. OK, well. Somebody just died a minute, five minutes ago. You know, roll the total. Um, that, that's disgusting. Yeah, it was it was morbid. And you know, there's things that 
the pandemic did to our our psyche, our, our minds. I mean, we had people fighting with each other. Uh, you know, some states, they didn't follow the mask mandates as much as others did. And some states said, hey, look, it, it's optional in public. Now, Ohio, it was mandatory. Um, and my preacher, one of, well, I go to a couple churches, but uh, one of the preacher's wives got kicked out of Walmart and had the cops called on her because she utterly refused to wear the mask. Well, and, and where did that come from, Big John? You know, that came from Dr. Fauci and Deborah Burks and, you know, the, the people that Trump was taking advice from uh, down through Governor DeWine and Amy Acton, you know. Uh, it, 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 you know, there was some benefit to those masks. There's, you know, I'm not going to totally discount them. But like you said, there was the ones that we know that really worked and the middle grade and then kind of the, you know, decorative, <laughs> you know, the decorative yeah. mask. And they did very little. And that was, you know, before the vaccine, that was your ticket to show that you cared about people was to put that thing on. And you weren't allowed to question it. You weren't allowed to say, that, you know, <clears throat> how good is this really? And where's the evidence to suggest that wearing these things outside for extended periods of time in an unsterile environment is actually doing anything uh, by itself? Um, a lot of us at the time were making the argument that that's one component of it. I mean, if you really want to protect yourself and you have to go out, I guess, you know, make sure you have the mask on, but social distance, stay out of large crowds. I mean, it's one, it, the mask doesn't allow you to have close contact. It doesn't say, okay, I have this on. I can have close contact. What, it, what the mask was doing for people is if you couldn't be separated it provided you some level of protection. If you guys can follow my logic there, it's, um, it, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't a license to hug, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. You still need to wash your hands, you know, avoid close contact, uh, you know, be at careful. At the height of the thing. Right. Yeah. At, at the height, you know, now we have a, a new variant that's very spreadable, very susceptible, but, if you're not one of these with comorbidities, you're not going to get very sick. It's, you're just going to catch it and probably not even know it. It presents itself like a cold, they say, but you're not going to need a rest. Well, almost nobody need a respirator. That was one of the, the downfalls of the beginning of this, but. Well, Fauci's going to step aside and, at some point between now and two years. Right. And I, I kind of think we'll all be better off for it. Uh, you know, I, I think 50 years is too long for right. anyone. Too long to for be, anybody. I mean, he came um, out the other day and he said, what did he say, Big John, in the New York Post article, uh, something I saw that, well, maybe these vaccines aren't as effective as what we thought. So, said the guy who'd been shot up four times and came down with COVID twice in a month. Yeah. <laughs> right. This this is uh I lost my train of thought, but Well he's yeah. out. That's the that's the train of thought is he's he's punching out along with 
and th- and that's the other observation in all of this is, you know, and you have this significant event and very controversial, and a lot of what was said proved out to you know it's only science until it's not science anymore, and well, now all these people are gone. Like Burks is gone, Francis Collins is gone, Fauci's gone. You know, frankly, he stayed around a little bit longer than what I thought he would after all this. He probably would have been out by now had Trump, you know, been inaugurated on January 20th. Um, you know, such is it. A, a, an end of a, an end of, I mean, does it, does that, the pandemic to bed now? I mean. I think, it, yeah, it's been put to bed for me for a while, but uh Speaking of people, just hang on and hang on. We were talking about it earlier. Us in this podcast? <laughs> well, maybe. Right. What about Nancy Pelosi? Why wow. does she still need <laughs> to be in power at 81 years old or something years old? Diane, I heard her staff. Oh, sorry. Her staff runs her office, not her. Uh, yeah, sadly, it sounds like Diane Feinstein is in some pretty poor mental shape, sadly. And, you know, the other day, Pelosi's husband gets out of jail, and a couple of days later, he buys stocks in a computer chip company. Right, because that's now, what you do when you get a DUI and <clears throat> have problems. The first thing you do is you go buy stock in a company that stands to gain from legislation your wife just ushered through Congress. Yeah, she's putting trying to put through a $52 million subsidy for computer chip companies. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, good, good investment. You know, call, call Paul Pelosi uh, investment portfolio and uh, get a free happy hour with every new account. Yeah, I mean, this is just ridiculous. How long... How long do you have to cling to that power and keep building your wealth off of other people, like the American taxpayer? And this boggles my fucking mind. It's an addiction. Uh, It's clear. And also there's nobody there to take her place. Uh, You know, I guess if you want it to be nice about it, she's just doing it because nobody else wants to or can. Uh, I, I don't see how... She hangs on. I mean, she's been the leader of the Democrats since 2003. I mean, this is 20 years, this woman. And it's remarkable, right? I mean, let's just, let's give her some credit. Um, A woman trailblazed through a, you know, a male dominated thing. And inside of 14 years, 15 years as a member of Congress became the leader of her party and took the speaker's gavel two times on two different occasions, served as speaker for eight years. That's a significant accomplishment. And you can disagree with her policies, but you do have to admire uh, to a degree um, her ability to, you know, put coalitions together to maintain uh, her leadership. A pretty skillful person when it comes to, um, you know, moving legislation uh, in the house. I mean, she doesn't bring anything to the floor that doesn't have the votes. She's not playing games and she typically gets the votes. I mean, I can't think of any time where she didn't get the votes on something that she really wanted. Right. 
That's so, yeah, I mean, to your question, she's right. good at what she does. There probably isn't anybody else that can do it. And so she's just hanging on. So, well, let's hope AOC doesn't hang on this long. My God. <laughs> but, I don't mind AOC. As, I mean, I think she's out to lunch, but I don't mind. human meme. I, I don't mind her. I, I admire the background that she came from, if it's legitimate. And I think you have some theories on that. Um, but assuming that, you know, she is a bartender from the Bronx that becomes a Congress at 20 some odd years age i think that's a pretty cool story for the country and um i just wish that um her politics were a little better but uh, yeah i mean you don't want to see i mean fauci for 50 years biden's been in office for 50 years uh schumer's been around since the 80s uh i mean yeah on the democrat side of the aisle there are their leadership is really old and stale Considering yeah. that, uh, you know, they have such a need for the younger generation, the wokesters, to, to, to keep them in power. Well, you know, I think there's a point where the people that have been <laughs> for a long time need to start passing the torch to people with new ideas, you know. Um, I can't remember who it was now that was Lincoln's mentor, but an early advocate of the end of slavery saw this young lawyer from Illinois as an up-and-comer and passed the anti-slavery torch to Lincoln and then taught him how to get things accomplished. And then, you know, within a few years you had to end the slavery uh but now it's like these people like you said are addicted to power and it's hurting our country so do you think we've talked enough where are we at here oh well we're at 70 minutes <laughs> we really went off mm-hmm. um but we covered a lot of ground and you know, that Steve Bannon trial is going to be something very important. Steve Bannon trial, to... hang, yeah, Steve Bannon trial, you're just going to have to first accept the fact that he's going to be 95% chance he's going to be found guilty in a very quick trial. And you're going to have to deal with, if, if this upsets you, you know, you're going to have to deal with some pretty negative media coverage and in your face kind of stuff uh, for a period of time. Um, but know that the deck is incredibly stacked against them and that this is just part and parcel of a process that has been just fundamentally uh, anathema to the way we normally do business in this country uh, for these kinds of things. And it's, you know, it's, it's a shame because it puts a partisan tent over an incident on January 6th. And frankly, I think a lot of people would like to get to the bottom of it. Um, so that's my summation of it. Yeah, I think the American people, from everything I've seen and heard, have very little interest in January 6th anymore. Well, (laughs) exactly, Big John. That's it. I mean, how many people even care about this at the end of the day? They want our country to move forward. They want our government to get 
the price of gasoline down. They want the inflation to go down. Um, you know, the country wants the country wants our leaders to move on from January 6th and all this partisan bickering and go forward. And that's what Republicans need to be focused on in this election. They have to present ideas and in a good way, a positive way. You know, there's a million things we can be negative about Democrats for, but we need to find the four or five things that we can say, we're going to do this and make positive change for the country. And we need to do that for the next several election cycles. But you know what the real, let me just say this, you know what the real message of the 2020 election was stripping aside all of the controversies around it. The, the real message was whoever won, whether it would have been Trump or Biden, the American people were voting for some kind of return to normalcy, some kind of return to normal. Right. And I think for the Trump supporter, the 75 million people that voted for this guy, mostly on election day, voted for this guy because they wanted to get their government in his style and in his way and in his track record for four years, which was working to a degree, uh, back to their version of normal. The folks that voted for Biden, somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 million, um, also wanted a return to normal. They didn't want the chaos that they saw unraveling before them during some very stressful time. So the challenge for the person that won in 2020 or the person that would take office by way of a certified election, um, however it is you want to look at it, their challenge was then to return the country to that normal based on what they their voters were saying and then beyond that reading we really wanted a person to, to unite us reading what the other side was wanting and mesh the two together and that requires in these difficult times real leadership people that wouldn't be afraid to lose the next election because you would have your base chirping at you to do certain things, especially on the Democrat side. And uh, Johnny, as a Johnny Shat over at uh, the New York Magazine uh, Intelligence or whatever, wrote a piece that talked about um, Biden basically and the Democrats pissed it all away because they weren't aggressive enough to pass these big agenda items early and drive it home instead hedged on the economy recovering in order to provide the money and the, and the goodwill to do some of these larger ideas. Frankly, I don't think the American people voted for Joe Biden to come in to do these kinds of Obama-like changes. As again, my thesis is they wanted normal. 
had Obama, had Biden virtually done nothing, right? I mean, I could see him passing that COVID relief bill that they did bipartisanly. Um, I could see that happening, but they, but frankly, to do, to do virtually nothing, you know, <laughs> he would be in far better shape now than what he finds himself in because he campaigned on calm the American people to a degree that voted for him because of that. And they've, they haven't received it and it's gotten worse. And I think right. Trump would have faced the same thing had he been inaugurated. Uh, that is, how do we get people to a state of kind of like a, a calm, you know, to restore calm to the choppy seas? That, that's part of leadership. And so, you know, I don't mean to, you know, prolong the end of the broadcast here, but I think that's something for, the, for us to ponder as we go into these elections is what is it we're really looking for, you know, and more importantly, how do you judge someone's performance? Well, you judge it based on what you thought you were going to get and then what you got. And I, I, you know, you could talk strategy, you could talk policy all you want. Bottom line is I don't think the American people were asking Joe Biden to do a whole hell of a lot. They knew he was going to be a one-term guy. He was very old. He seemed safe. He was vouched for by some people. And they thought that would they thought that, that would be good enough to take the good that Trump did, but eliminate the noise. And it has been anything but that. They have royally screwed this up. And I think that gets to your larger point, which was what real confidence do we even have anymore? that this government can do for us what we you know, expect it to do in a limited way. Yeah, it, it's it total, totally the opposite of what people thought they were going to get. I think you're, you're seeing that in Biden's poll numbers. And no, like you point out, nobody expected this radical agenda. Uh, he, I mean, he campaigned on nothing. But if you looked at the undertones, it's kind of like, look, this is exactly what the Democrats wanted. And now even they are turning against Joe Biden going, oh, God, we we should have put Bernie Sanders out there or something. <laughs> it might as well. Um, right. <laughs> you know, uh, but this is what we got for two more years, possibly. So. Let's hang in and make the best of it. The year and a yeah, half. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely what we got. It's you know, it's, it's not Biden. It's Harris. I mean, this is what we got. This is this is what we have to deal with. It's 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 the reality of politics. You know, no one's going to swoop in and put Trump back in office, right? I mean, no, that's, it's not going to happen. Or it might happen else. in twenty twenty four, but we'll have to wait till then and see what happens. So. Right. All right, man. Tell us where we can find you on social media. You can find me here on the Big John Panic Attack. <laughs> and are you tweeting and gettering or? I, you know, I monitor the stuff, but, you know. You're more an observer now, huh? Well, I'm, I just have limited time and ability to do a lot of the things we used to do. So now I'm just leeching off you every now and then and 
mm-hmm. to keep the conversation going that we've been having since what April of 2009. <laughs> yeah. So we've had, a, we've had a good run of it. So, Hey man, as always, God bless America. Pray for each other for sure. And, uh, you don't have any more topics we'll we'll end it here yeah i think this is a good place so everyone be safe and take care of themselves and and uh, we'll talk to everyone on the next go around all right man god bless brother take care same to you god bless